the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Pastor Joe Sutton uh, coming back at you again this week uh, as we roll into this month of December. Man, cold weather. Yes, that's what I don't like. But the good thing about December is you have holidays and everybody gets out of school and everybody gets out and gets a little time to do some things. And and, uh, what I like to say is that the the church shuts down between Thanksgiving and Christmas because you can't find anybody between Christmas parties and cantatas and everything like that. And, uh, you know, we forget uh, that we got a job to do out here. So when we're looking at December, um, I like to always think of lights, right? And that's the thing that used to make me feel so good was was the lights, right? And I would be like, wow, I get to see the lights. It seemed like everybody brightens up. But then comes January, and there's no more lights, man. It's, and January and February are colder than December. <laughs> and, man, you need some kind of joy to come through there, you know. So maybe we ought to look at being bright the whole winter until the sun comes back out. And getting it going again. But, you know, what I really want to talk about is we think about Christ and we think about Christ coming. And uh, and, and people have different traditions during this time. And, and it's good to have traditions. And, and it, I'm, I'm all for traditions as long as traditions don't override Scripture. And you always need to come back to Scripture with your traditions. Because sometimes traditions can take off and they can have a, a, a mind of their own. And they can get to going. You know, I mean, I even look at uh, the whole celebration of Christmas and the birth of Christ and and how it's become so commercialized and that we don't really get a chance to really understand what this night means to us in our faith. I was talking to my, my grandson and, and I was asking him about, about you know, Christmas because he was like, Granddad, it's Christmas time. I said, well, yeah. And I said, tell me about Christmas. And he said, well, Christmas is Santa Claus and trees and candy cane and everything like this. And, you know, I'm like, oh, wait, I talked to my son. I'm about to chew him out. Right. So I I get on the phone with him and I say, man, this little cat's telling me this. that, that. I said, if you ever sat down, and told this boy with Christmas, he said, Dad, I have told him this story. He said, remember, I told you the story, you know, of this and that. And, that. and I looked at him and I said, son, let me tell you something. You're in education. Don't you know? We remember 10 percent of what we hear, 20 percent of what we read, 50 percent of what we see and 90 percent of what we see here and do. I said, you might have told him about the manger and Joseph and Mary. But what does he see? He sees a tree in the living room. He sees candy canes hanging on a tree. He sees pictures of Santa in the window and everything. 
where is the Christmas story for him to see? And he couldn't say anything. You know what I mean? Because we get so caught up with the tradition that we allow tradition to override scripture. And I'm all for tradition, but I like to keep it biblical, you know, and, and what's done. And so, you know, we, as we got to talking about it and, you know, he got to go in and say like, he kind of understood why we had the things visually associated with what we told them. And I said, I always made sure wherever I taught you that there was a visual to go along with it. And so, and I, I say that to come around here is that, man, this time of year is such a great time to sit around and to really pour over the words of Christ. I was reading the Beatitudes the other day and, uh, and I was reading the Beatitudes and, and it, it just blessed me, you know, to go through there and see the words of Christ and, and what he was saying and to know that. And I told my wife, I, 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 I listened to the Beatitudes with a first century mindset. She said, well, how can you have a first century mindset? I said, well, I, I, I tried to listen to it as a Jew, as a Jew who was not really living Torah, who wasn't really living it. And now all of a sudden John the Baptist comes on the scene and John the Baptist comes on the scene and he's telling us to repent. He's telling us to come back to God, to come back to Torah. Right. So now there's this great movement of people going out to hear John the Baptist. People are getting baptized. And where in Scripture is baptism? Baptism is is not in it's not in Scripture. So John came with this this way of, of getting people to be renewed, refreshed, to be cleansed. You know what I mean? The closest thing to, to baptism that you see in Torah is where if you were unclean, you had to go down, you know, get the ashes from the red heifer, wash up, get in the water, wash yourself, you know, and that just for anything unclean, touching somebody unclean, uh, you know, having sex, whatever it was, you had you had to go down and wash yourself. So here's John saying like, hey, come on, we're going to wash yourself. We're going we gonna, we gonna to emerge out of this water you know, back and focused and clean. Now, after John has this great movement, it gets people to come back to Torah. Now here comes the Messiah, right? Here comes, here comes this guy. He's walking in power greater than Elijah. You know what I mean? He's he's healing folks. People are bringing them all there. And, you know, none of these, he start healing folks, man. This dude is dropping these these parables that really make us think, you know, about about life and what we're doing and the understanding of the scripture. And, and then he can feed people? Oh, my goodness, man. <laughs> he can multiply some food? You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm listening to this guy, and I'm coming there to, to get a healing, or I'm coming there because my, 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 I've been reignited in the wanting to live right for God. And then I, I hear these words, you know what I mean? Verse 10 of chapter 5, he said, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I mean, when you get persecuted for doing right, he said, God blesses those that get persecuted for doing right, and the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So it's like a lot of times when when you get persecuted for doing right, you're so busy saying how unfair it is. <laughs> I don't care if you're a little kid and you know, everybody got you got punished because your little brother did something and you got punished. It's not fair. You know what I mean? The first thing out of my mouth is not fair. It's not fair. It's not the first thing out of our mouth is that, ah, 
the kingdom of heaven is going to be mine because I just got persecuted for something I didn't do. No, 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 no. You want you want justice. You want you want to be treated fairly. You you want an apology. You want something like that. And I look in the book of Acts. I correlate that to the book of Acts where when Peter and John were beaten, you know, for sharing the gospel and they rejoiced. They came out there happy. You know what I mean? You know, I say, you know, well, I can understand why they were happy because they were happy because they knew the kingdom. The kingdom was there, you know what I mean? Because they got persecuted for doing what was right. And, and they're going to understand that. And they say, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my follower. You know, I haven't experienced this much, you know, to be mocked and persecuted because I, I follow God. I've been talked about behind my back, but not never really to my face. You know, in, in work environments where people knew that uh, where I stood and where my belief system was, uh, you know, my buddy the other day threatened to throw me out of his house because <laughs> because uh, he knew what my he said, oh, we got the right, right reverend up in here. He got to go. You know, we can't do what we want to do. You got to go. And I was like, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to impede your fun. I leave. You know, what I mean, I I'm not going to impede your fun. I mean, you, we can do that. But, you know, I, I, I never had it to the extent where I read in the book of Acts in the early church, those first 200, 300 years, what they had to go through and what they had that. Now, the scripture tell us that those days are going to come back and we have to be prepared for that. But we really live in a kind of a sheltered, sport environment that we live in, that we that we go there. But to me, the, the, when I get to this point of thinking about uh, Christ and 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 you really want to celebrate the birth of Christ and what did he come? What did he represent? What did he bring to the table? What I always like to tell, you know, my children and now I'm telling my grandchildren is that that, you know, that that God put something powerful inside a young body. And if you accept Christ as your savior, he can put something powerful in you. Right. And the last verse I want to read out of five is Jesus said, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You know, I, I always try to tell my kids that that because of your faith, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be there. But understand this, it's all part of the kingdom. Now, the kind of mocking that they go through would never compare to what some of the early church fathers went through. But even for a child in school, you know, to, to, to stand by his, his or her beliefs, you know, it's, that peer pressure can be real great. It, it can be real solid. So even though in December I used to look forward to what I can get, you know, what was I going to get? You know, my list, making my list for Santa, granddad, mom, dad. You know, now I, I, I tried to raise mine with not what they can get, but what can they give, right? What can they give? And having them to understand and preparing them that because of the lifestyle that we choose to live, because of the belief statement that we have, you're going to suffer some inconvenience. And like I said, it ain't it may not be being fed to the lions, you know, it may be as simple as, you know, everybody's going to see this movie, you know, as a team, and you can't go. You know, I remember when my son was playing football for this for this for this college. I was not lame to be named, but you know, it was a Christian college and and uh it was out of state, so don't get paranoid, everybody. But uh, you know, one of the traditions that the team had was to sit in a room naked and watch war movies the night before a game. And, of course, my son being urban, 
and urban kids don't even take showers in front of each other. You know, what I mean, they don't even take you can't you you ain't paying them to take shower. I remember taking kids on retreats at camp, and they would be taking a shower in their underwear. You know, what I mean, <laughs> so they not they not get naked. So you talking about a whole football team is sitting in a lecture hall, naked, watching a war movie, and he looked at it and he said, "I'm not gonna do it," right? And and they looked at him like. You know, this is what we do, right? And he said, I'm not going to do it. He said, that, that's, that's just not me. You know what I mean? And so he got mocked. You know what I mean? You know, because you know, they looked at him, did you, you know, this is what we do. And then when they pull a number every night, don't ask me why. He said they pulled a number out of the helmet. If your number came up, you had to run across campus naked and jump into the pond. You know what I mean? I don't know what this fascination was with nakedness at this school. You know what I mean? But, you know, this football team, but that's what they were doing. But he chose not to do it. And because he chose not to do it as a freshman, right, you're a freshman anyway, you know what I mean? He suffered a lot of persecution and mockness. And so if we don't prepare our young people to what the scriptures say they're going to encounter, then when they get into those situations and they get in there, whether we want to hire, we want to call it, you know, bullying or whatever, are we preparing them for what they're going to they face? Or will they just compromise and go to the movie anywhere, sit in the lecture hall naked anyway because you don't want to offend anybody? You know what I mean? But but the thing about it is, is that, you know, you're going to get offended for doing what's right. And what's right is what scriptures say you need to do, not what society says you need to do, not what tradition says you need to do. You need to do what scripture says you need to do. You know what I mean? And so you we we have to, we have to, during the, to me, this time of year, is a great time to reflect because nothing on TV points toward the Savior. Everything points toward uh, a Black Friday sale. You know, Black Friday been going on ever since October. You know what I mean? I ain't never known that many Fridays. I mean, I got something in the mail the other day saying, Black Friday prices. You know, it's Tuesday. You know, and it's December. This, you know, you know, it's not the day after Thanksgiving. And, and so you, you ask yourself, am I going to do what's right? Am I, this is a great opportunity to, to, to reflect upon, yes, why was Christ born? He was born because he had to preach this message. He had to preach this message. And that message, I don't know how the first century church took it, but that message probably helped them make it through those times. It helped them make it through the persecution. It helped them make it through being fed to the lions. It helped them make it through, you know, going there. When they looked at it, when Christ said, if you do what's right, It'll be persecuted for doing what's right. The kingdom of heaven is yours. You know, expect to be mocked. Expect to be persecuted. You know, and he said, even in John, he said, if they did it to me, even more so you. You know what I mean? And so in a day and time where Jesus is not really ringing in the season, I think it's a great opportunity for us to take the words of Christ, to teach our children and our grandchildren, and heck, even some of our adults, you know, what it really means to serve the Lord, what this season of celebration, the door it opened up, right? It opened up a door and access to God that had never been known before, right? That's what it did. It's not about the gifts. It's not about uh, uh, whatever else you're going to have. The eggnog, you know, Lord knows I love eggnog because it's the only time of year I can give me some eggnog, but, you know, it, you know, it's it's not all about that. I say what it, what it about, about is, is that we're celebrating the birth of our Savior. And he saved us from death and destruction. And we need to be cognizant of that. You're listening to Isaiah 61, the radio ministry of Spirit of the Lord Church. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm Pastor Joe Sutton, and I just want to talk to you today 
about how to take advantage of this season, how to really, 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 really make it Christ must. You know what I mean? With the words of our Lord and our Savior. We will come back with some more words from the Beatitudes after the break. And then we'll uh, we'll wrap this up and uh, enjoy. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. The Mission Fan Club and New American Funding want to pay your mortgage next year. This is Tom Matiny from New American Funding, and I'm excited to be the sponsor of the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Contest. If you win, we'll pay your mortgage or rent for all of next year. That's extra money to take your family on vacation, put in a pool, or help a friend in need. Enter once a day from now through December 20th at am980themission.com. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle from the Mission Fan Club and me, Tom Matiny, at New American Funding. Hey, you back? We back again. This is Joe, Pastor Joe Sutton with Isaiah sixty-one, the radio ministry of Spirit of the Lord Church, and uh, just talking about some things that we can do during this uh, this season of celebration in December, as we as some of us celebrate the birth of Christ. Uh, you know, we have different traditions like Advent and different things like that. How we prepare ourselves, uh, we prepare ourselves to, to to receive the Christ Child. I remember when I was young, growing up uh, in the in the Catholic Church, we would. It was a time of preparation, and I remember the preparation and going through different things and, and going there. But, man, my mind wasn't even on that. <laughs> my mind was on what am I going to get, you know what I mean? It, am I going to get that one thing? Can, can anybody remember the one thing that they never got? Man, I'll never forget the one thing that I never got. I always wanted a lost-in-space robot. A lost in space robot. I asked for that lost in space robot for four years. Four years. Nobody wanted to get me the lost in space robot. <laughs> My mother brought me some little wind up robot. Then I opened that thing. I was so discouraged on Christmas Day, man. I was like, she did not give me this little bitty, you know, little bitty wind up thing that lights up and rocks side to side when it walks. Little thing like that. This is not. Warning, warning, you know, Will Smith, this is not the what I wanted, right? And, uh, and you know, even when I got older and I had money, I went looking for it. I was going to buy it for myself anyway. You know, it's just amazing how the things that come associated, you know, in the pattern with, 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 with this time of year that, that I've associated. But I look back on my life and none of them are biblical, right? Other than singing Silent Night 23 times at Midnight Mass. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't think of anything that was there. I, it was always fleshly. It was always keying in on that. And 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 and, and that stuck with me. And, and, in, and in my family, if you've ever heard my show before, I tell you that, that our Christmas tradition is, 
it's so anti-tradition, it's just not even there. But, you know, what we do is we find another family and we bless them. You know, and that's what we do. We show them the love of God. You know, I mean, now we, we buy them food. We buy them toys. We don't get any, but we do it for them. What we do is we usually sit at home that day and we play board games all day long and talk about each other. We crack jokes. We remember things from the past. You know, we bring up every different situation, you know, falling off bikes, peeing in the bed, whatever it is, you know, it's all open game. You know, the ugly girlfriend you went to prom with, whatever it is, that's what <laughs> it's like. If you're depressed, come over our house because you're going to laugh. You know what I mean? Because, you know, we, we really get in each other. And that's what we do. We play board games. And it's so funny that because some some of my, my, my grandkids are, I have one grandchild that's an electronic junkie, and he can't he can't vibe with the board game thing and the, you know going there without you know some eyeball stimulation and and uh, the rest of them are pretty young and but they they go along with the program you know we play battling tops we play monopoly we play life you know we play risk you know we we just go at it and and uh, it gets real ugly you know what I mean we get ugly with it you know we're going in there and sometimes we stay up all night drinking eggnog. You know, letting out gas, and, and that's what we do. You know what I mean? to go there. You know, but to, 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 to bring it back home, I always tell them that first we give. Before we enjoy ourselves, we give. And then I always give them the, 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 the words of our Savior because that's if, – if, if it is truly whom we celebrate, then we have to look and see what he celebrates by itself. And, and because this holiday is so materialistic, and and so much is being spread around. You know, I, I, I love to share these words in Matthew six nineteen. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Man, you know, I treasured that Lost in Space robot, man. I really wanted that thing. But that Lost in Space robot wasn't going to add one inch to my height, wasn't going to do anything about my, my my seed, my legacy, my soul. You know what I mean? But because I was caught up in what everybody else was, you know, you know, make the kids happy, give them what they want, you know. But the treasure that I was looking for, that if I had that robot today, it would be broken. It would it would be rusted out and gone. It wouldn't be here anymore. But if I store up my treasures in heaven, and Jesus said, when you do it unto the least of these, you do it unto me. And I know we have our giving Tuesdays and other things like that. And this time of year is the is the biggest time of year for nonprofits to get get uh get money in because in the midst of everybody spending billions of dollars, you know on earthly things where moth and rust are corrupt and we stole them, we turn around and say, oh, let me give a little bit. <laughs> let me give a little bit to charity. You know, let me give a little bit, you know, to, to God. Let me give something to God in the midst of that. But it doesn't compare. You know, we spend more money buying gifts for people that we know than we do and being a blessing and honoring what God says about looking out for those in prison, those that are sick, those that are poor, the orphan or the widow. You know what I mean? And and I always try to use this as a time to get them to understand 
that we need to spend more doing what God commands us to do so that we can store up our treasure in heaven than we do blessing and bribing each other here on earth. It's on you and what you do. You know, as I said last week, do you love him? If you love him, you'll keep his commandments. And one of the things he commanded us for for, was to look out for those that are poor and afflicted and those in need of justice. And not necessarily with gifts and money and food and clothes, but also with the spiritual word of God. That's what Isaiah 61 said. It says this, right? Preach good news to the poor, right? Heal the brokenhearted, set free the captive, and set free those that are in prison. That is doing the will of God. That is what we need to do during this Christmas, Advent season, whatever you want to call it, and that we need to be out there and be giving people the person, works, and teachings of Jesus Christ and not inviting them to a sale. God bless you. Have a great week. And may Jesus always impact your life. This is Pastor Joe Sutton, and I'm out.